think the confidence that you guys have given me over the recent months to, to jump into this has just been phenomenal. Really appreciate your help. And quite honestly, there's a direct correlation to the time invested on these calls to the ability to have the confidence in the moment. So thanks for that. Welcome, amazing agents and investors nationwide. Uh, this is Thursday, May 28th, 2020, and this is role play call number 280. Uh, we do have five people in the queue, so let's get right to our callers. Uh, first up this week is phone number ending in 2729. You're up first. Gentlemen, good afternoon. This is Bill Janiga. I'm calling from Detroit, Michigan area. How are you? Hey, Bill. I wanted to make a comment about something interesting. This past week was my first court appearance via Zoom. We were scheduled for 9 o'clock before the judge. Didn't get in until 3 o'clock. So fortunately, oh. I had a small Bose speaker that's wireless on Wi-Fi, and I just carried that around the house with me until 3 o'clock. So it was quite interesting. It's the first one that I did. Judge was actually very nice. Um, there is a difference in the opinion as to the house. And since I'm also the realtor and the investor, he had JPEG files of my photos of the interior of the house along with my CMA as to what I thought the house was worth. And then basically values of the last 60 days during the virus. Looked at it, asked the attorney. Attorney just said, hey, I was under the impression the house was in better shape, but I like Mr. Janet's photos, and we're good with that. So judge approved everything. We closed Monday afternoon. So I just thought I'd wow. make mention great of job. it. It's the first, yeah. first one that I've done. It was quite exciting. That's great. Actually, as a, a funny side note, I was basically sitting there with shorts in my office with a white shirt and tie on. But camera can only see the top part. So. None of us have fun. ever done that. You know, yeah, no, nobody has. So, anyways, that was just my yeah, comment. I, I just thought I'd mention it. Well, that is awesome. Oh, so I great. guess we don't in, we don't invest in in the pants industry, right? Uh, Wrangler, no, Levi's, or you know, yeah. No, <laughs> don't need know, to wear warm. them. No, cut off shorts and a white shirt. You know. You guys mentioned sure. watching the space launch. I've owned a bunch of timeshares in Hutchison Island, and we can actually see part of the launch as it starts to go up from the beach. And it's quite, yeah, a, that's where quite impressive, even at a distance. That's where I'm at right now, bro, in the Ocean Hill, oh Hutchison Island. Yeah. But, hey, congratulations on that. That's so good to hear. And, uh, you know, we hope we hope to hear more of those kind of stories. And, uh Right now, you're in first place for winner of the week, so thank you for sharing. Oh, Well, it wasn't so much for that. I just thought it was comical. That was my first court appearance um, via Zoom. But our market is, if the things are priced well, we're getting multiple offers. Um, Badly priced homes are sitting there. Our inventory is down. Our buyers are down. But the buyers that are looking at properties are serious buyers. They're not tire kickers. And yeah. other than dealing with all the COVID forms that we have to contend with now, it's going well. 
Um, I did one on Sunday showing basically was I sat on the dock. I said, house is open. I did my review of it. The room that's got the toilets, the bathroom, the one that's got stove and refrigerators, the kitchen, go have at it. And <laughs> that's how he left it. And uh, <laughs> well, we get to write an offer as a result of it. So um, everything is good, you know. And, Bill, you did, you did say one thing. We often hear uh, confusion or reluctance with realtors who are investors, and uh, they think there's going to be some major conflict. And it, it sounds like you're not really experiencing that at all. I mean, you're perfectly nope. okay with what you're perfectly okay with you know wearing either hat depending on what the seller wants and needs. Correct? I am. The only one thing yeah. here in Michigan locally, our judges always take side of tenants or buyers, regard for the most part, regards to what transpires. A number sure. of years ago, I had my one and only lawsuit, and the judge just said it was a question of water penetration and through a glass block window, and he said, well. I see on the paperwork you're also a licensed builder. Therefore, you should have known that you should have dug down and removed part of the wall and redid it. And I just basically <laughs> said, Your Honor, it wasn't leaking at the time we had the property. He just said, that eh, basically doesn't matter. Fix the window. Okay, so yep. it cost me a couple grand to fix the window, but after that, I let my builder's license expire. I had it initially just so that I could pull permits easier on the rehabs. But now I, I pull them as owner when I can. And the only other thing that I'm really fanatic about is anything to do with gas and electricity, whether it's incoming service lines or boilers or heat, only because both gas and electricity can kill me, and I can't see either one of them. So those are the two things that I'm really tough on, on my rehabs, or for my clients. Sure. Hard that goes. Sure. But Makes sense. Okay. Awesome. Well, listen, you guys enjoyed Florida. I'm, I'm envious. I wish I was there. <laughs> All right, I'll get a picture and uh, Facebook it to you. Thanks. Thank <laughs> Thanks you. for sharing. Great Have a great story. day, guys. Great story. All right, take Bye, care. Thanks for sharing. All right, next up is phone number ending in 4476. You're up next. Yeah, hi. Uh, this is Anna Eckstein. I'm actually uh, part of the mastery class that's going on right now. Um, so learning a lot, but I couldn't have the whole thing. Um, quite yet, so I'll be re-watching. Um, but I have a question. So I'm trying to build it up, the value, the way uh, how we're talking about to create the value for the consumer, for the attorney, um, and coming from the empathy. But like I still try to figure out like what is super important. Like I know like p keep people awareness of the um, insurance. So make sure they understand that if you don't switch your insurance, the insurance will lapse, and if something happened to the property, this you know it would not be covered. Like how the like where we can like I talked to my insurance person, and he kind of confirms all of that stuff. But how we can get into some sort of like more detail that you can actually like. Um, uh, this like I have two questions. So one is like where we can actually get into some sort of detail to because like when I provide the services, let's say for the sellers, I describe details of like what happened, how it happened, and what we're doing to prevent that happening. But uh, I'm not quite like figure up where I can get the information like for the stuff for the like insurance. The second one is like what else like super important in a probate process that the sellers should be aware and they may not necessarily aware. So one of the best things, it, it's incredibly hard to teach across three, over 3,000 counties because the process varies so much from state to state and even county to county within states. 
So one of the exercises that I always suggest, we did talk about this late yesterday. It sounds like you may have missed it. But is you actually go and you're accomplishing several things here. If you can step out of your comfort zone and approach a local probate attorney and ask them to sit down with you and design a checklist, and basically a timeline or a checklist from the very beginning when they petition the court all the way through to the end, they have years and years of horror stories. They've seen where things go sideways. They've seen where families shut down, you know, what the choke points are. So they're going to know your local process. They're going to be extremely familiar with it, and they're going to have stories and names to put behind it. So it'll help you. Really and by the way, that. I am from, I am from Florida. Just so you know. Okay, but the idea is to approach that attorney because of of solicitation laws. They are not allowed to directly solicit for estate planning business. If they're a probate attorney, chances are they're also writing, a, they're doing estate planning business, and that's their favorite side of their business. Probate is a great revenue, but it's a lot more stressful, takes a lot more time. Estate planning turns, you know, it's, it's much easier work, and it, it pays way more, way, way more quickly. So the idea is to approach them with the value proposition that you sit down, design a co-marketing piece, and that co-marketing piece is that timeline or checklist that's hyper-local to your area. And you include that in each letter. And what it, the legal aspects are colored, let's just say red, and everything else can be in black. And uh, you can point to it in the letter and say, you know, uh, uh, enclosed, you'll find a, a checklist that we find, you know, most families find extremely helpful in the beginning. It helps them understand the difference between the legal aspects and everything that the attorney won't be helping them with. And if they don't have an attorney, which 20% of the time they don't, um, then his, his name will be in the footer of that checklist. And that's, it's a great way for you to provide free marketing for an attorney. But in return, you get to build that really local knowledge and build a real relationship with that attorney by collaborating on the project. And so they get a huge benefit of being able to legally direct solicit through your marketing. They get to understand what it is that you do in your business and how that complements theirs. And it usually results in an hour or two long meeting and, you know, with someone whose time is worth 200 bucks an hour. And they usually will immediately start, they see value in your model and they'll start sending you referrals. So as you're, as you're doing that, sit down and say, well, what, what's the, the craziest, tell me about the craziest case you guys have ever worked on or the biggest surprise you've ever seen or, What's the thing that at least 80% of families don't realize until, you know, until after the, you know, until after they should have or um, ask them questions like that and find out how you can, like, you can learn the process locally, but also how you can speed up that process and lower the stress level for your clients. And they're going to respect that. And what are your thoughts? Yeah, thank you for this. Uh, what are your thoughts also? I was thinking incorporate like between the mailing pieces and the actual the phone calls. Uh, what are your thoughts of incorporating messaging through the social media platforms? Um, and I was thinking to do that maybe even individually or to do that as um, as a, a pay ad for like a Facebook or a LinkedIn and to do this as a video message. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's very effective if, you, if it's very specific and local. Um, we've talked about this on a few mastermind calls recent. Excuse me, recently. I think it was just two weeks ago we unpacked it again. But if you take your probate leads and you create a custom audience or a saved audience, um, 
matching on first name, last name, email address, mailing address, and all the phone numbers, you can get upwards of 90% match rates. So if you have 100 probate leads, chances are we can find 90 of them on Facebook. And what I suggest is go stand in front of the courthouse, a physical location that they've been to, so it's going to grab their attention. And when they see you standing in front of the courthouse, it's going to and you know something in, in the headline, three or four words, like going through probate in Florida, question, uh, or something. So the idea is in, in less than two seconds, grab their attention. And then just talk to them like it was a, a, a referral from a friend. Like don't try to be scripted or professional. Just be very direct and say, hey, my name's Chad. I've got a team of folks right here in Roanoke that help families going through probate. As you see, we come to the courthouse every 30, at least every 30 days, meet with the clerk and see who we should be reaching out to to help. That's why you're seeing this video. If you click the link below, you can learn more about what we do. And then you land them off on a page where you have a longer video saying basically the same thing. Your call to action is you can call me right now at the number on this page. You can click right below and book right into my calendar, and I'll call you at the time that works best for you. Or you can fill out the form. You can give them multiple calls to action. But we find it's incredibly easy to get the clicks, but unless you're doing those hyper-local videos, it's hard to get the conversion. So as, as like it's you know setting the audience up, getting the ads running is, is really easy. The reason we haven't been able to scale it and do it for everybody is because generic videos just don't work that well. You standing in front of your courthouse speaking directly to them is incredibly effective. Um, so you can listen to a couple of those other mastermind calls where we talked about it and and at length. But that's the, the idea, and it works really, really well. You get typically, you're going to average about 12 to 20 daily, daily impressions. So it's, you know, for a few pennies, it's like sending 12 letters a day. You know, you have 12 opportunities for them to see that. And eventually they're going to watch the video because um, you're only, you know, you're, you're targeting, uh, and well, assuming you have a good enough budget behind it, and I would recommend a minimum budget of $250. And each month when your probate leads come in, don't create a separate audience. Continue adding to the audience. The bigger, your, the larger your audience is, the lower your cost per result. So, um, and then like on month 13, you start to drop off those older months. So for, for the first 12 months, you're just continuously adding to your audience. And then on month 13, you knock off that last month. Or you could continue building it. But we know that the vast majority of people will find a solution in Florida in 12 months. And then also, thank you so much for sharing with uh, this. Um, and also, like, I have a little bit hard time to find individual people, like, on a Facebook, not audience, but the actual people. Is there any, like, app you guys can recommend? Because I'm looking into it, and my rate is not even 90%. It's, I mean, it's pretty bad. Um, is there any app or maybe something technology-wise? Uh, I don't mind to invest in something like this a little bit uh, just to get better quality. There are several skip trace services that will will return social media results. Um, I would say just Google, you know, uh, skip trace uh, social media, and you can upload the probate list. We give you the good phone numbers, and we give you multiple match points, so you can use our list and augment it through someone who skip traces social media, and you should come back with about the same match rates, like 80, 90 percent. Awesome. Thank Another you so much. Another thing you have to realize is if you, if you just plug a, um, a, a name into Facebook, 
um, the odds that you find that individual are, are slim. But if you're loading your list into Facebook with phone numbers, with uh, email addresses, with names, all that data kind of combined, Facebook can find those people. They have most of that information anyway. There's just not a way for you to search individually with an email, a phone number, and a name. So if you're searching right. for someone, it's going to be tougher to find than Facebook just with your list. Excellent. Right. All right. right. So they're tracking over over 200 unique data points for each user, even if they're not in your profile. They're on on the back end of their system. They have over 200 points for like 94% of the population. That's why we have such success with match rates on audiences. That's the data Facebook can't necessarily let us see, but they can use it. We can use it to build audiences. Perfect. Well, we have eight more in the queue, and Chad, I know you got to leave right at two today. So, um, next up is phone number ending in four eight four three. You're up next. Are you there? Four eight four three. Yes. Can Can you hear me? Now we can. Yes, sir. Hello. Go ahead. Perfect. Hey, this is Josh Foster. I'm over here in southwest Louisiana around Lake Charles. Uh, I just went through the uh, mastery class, the last mastery class Chad did. Uh, I've got a couple deal questions, and then I, I would kind of, I want to touch on something I'm running into when I'm making my calls. So, uh, deal is I've got a, I'm representing a, a property that's uh, through probate here in Louisiana. It's not called probate; it's called succession. Uh, going through succession, I'm dealing with the executor. The house sits on uh, a point zero point eight acre lot. Um, the adjacent lot is owned by the executor as her separate property. We have had several people wanting to buy the home, but they want the house and the extra lot because the two really need to go together. The executor has been advised by the attorney not to commingle, you know, not to put those two pieces of property on one contract. Uh, since that one piece is her uh, is her separate property. So we're actually working an offer today. I'm going to throw out what I suggested, and Chad, if you got a better idea, I just wanted to run it by you. Um, I suggested do a one-year lease purchase option uh, on that extra lot. Give the buyer, if he successfully closes on the house, give him one year, a one-year lease with the, with the option to purchase for the set amount that she wants for the lot and it'd be two separate transactions. So uh, I'm open if there's a better way to do it, but uh, by all means. That will work, but my, my interpretation of this is the buyer has already made the decision and they're willing to close on it now, right? Correct. And do they have cash to cover that, or would it need to be wrapped into the financing? It needs to be wrapped in the financing. That's the, that's the problem. So that's why you're they're thinking doing lease Yes. And you think their strategy is to refinance within the year so they can wrap it into the loan then? Well, I, that I don't that I don't know. I don't know if they want to do that or if they want to go get their own loan. I'm not, I don't represent the buyer on this deal. The and the buyer's agent is of course is a green agent, so uh, she doesn't have a clue. She didn't even know what a lease option was until I had possibly suggested it as a possible solution. The thing is. I've, I asked the executor originally, could we go, could we have two purchase agreements? He's buying the lot from you. He's buying the house from the state. 
let him wrap it into his FHA loan as one loan, uh, but she was advised against that from her attorney because she didn't want they didn't want to commingle the two sales. Uh, and right. in that and way, I don't know if the underwriter. I don't know if the FHA underwriter would let that fly, anyways. I do. Um, so here's your your alternate options. Your lease option will work, mm -hmm. but it only serves the buyer if they can refinance in the next twelve months. So mm -hmm. it, it's you know it depends on their financial picture, what their debt to income ratio is. Sure. Um, it, it you could be putting them into a lease option that you they might not ever be able to close on. Um, the other thing is community banks. I mean, there's a lot of really healthy community banks right now, and they, you know, they've really tightened down. There's not much happening in commercial real estate, but they still need to deploy capital. So a lot of times they will take, you know, 20% down and finance the land. <clears throat> um, what's the value of the land? It's a it's a fifteen thousand dollar lot. Okay, and what's the is that what they're willing to pay for? Except, yes. Yeah, they're willing to pay fifteen grand. The house, uh, the house is listed for one thirty. And do they have any cash? I mean, they're doing FHA, so I, they probably don't. they're going right? FHA, and they're asking for all their closing costs. So I'm assuming that that's a no. They does your seller need the? Is the the fifteen grand? I'm guessing isn't life changing money for the seller, right? No, no. So the other, I mean, the other alternative is you just just sell it to them separate on a contract for deed or, or owner finance, just straight out owner financing. And they don't you can they can take zero percent down and make five, you know, they could charge as high as eight percent interest mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. sell sell them the land on a separate contract on a separate closing with separate financing and just separate it from your mm -hmm. FHA because I think it is going to muddy the water for you. And rather than, than waiting waiting a year for a lease purchase to see if they if they're going to exercise their option and actually if they can actually get financing, I think it serves everybody better to just go ahead and structure it as a, a completely separate contract with owner finance, 100% owner financing. Mm -hmm. Do 30-year amortization with a five-year balloon at 8%. Mm -hmm. And you might even make okay. a lower rate. I think eight's probably going to be your max, like prime plus. Prime yeah. plus five is going to be your max. Yeah. But um, I think that's the cleaner way to do it, and everybody wins. Your seller makes more money. Your buyer doesn't have to go qualify for more debt. Um, even if this, yeah. even if the home purchase is pushing their debt to income ratio up, it won't matter because it's a private loan. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So that that, that way, everybody that. gets what they okay. want right now. Okay. Uh, another another question. The I'm dealing with another. Uh, another probate or secession deal uh it is a it's a piece of property it's about two and a half acres back originally um it was a brother and sister inherited it from their uh father when he died back originally when he died back in the 80s the property probably wasn't worth fifty thousand dollars now it has turned in there's a commercial it's really been commercialized now this piece of property is worth, in my opinion, between three seventy-five to four hundred thousand, probably three eighty-five. It's got a lot of cleanup needed. Got in, got into the deal, started looking. Um, you know, brother and sister inherited uh, from dad. Sister died, and sister had a million kids, and a couple of those kids are now dead too. Uh, no, this, this just is stemming from thirty years of doing nothing. So. Anyway, I need four successions done 
in these deals to clear this title up. And I've got my, my attorney I use all the time. He's willing to do the secessions and then not file them or not do, not, you know, do the work, more or less get paid at closing. Uh, and he'll file it, he'll file it with the court right before closing. Uh, so that, that is fine. I've got that worked out, but I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with about 14 people on this file. Uh, and I've got most of them ready to sell. And then I've got one, um, one of the, one of the sister's daughters is, uh, so I guess it'd be the, a niece to my other owner. Uh, she thinks it's worth $750,000. And, um, uh, <laughs> I know because I've got appraiser friends, I've called about this. And I, you know, I've had some appraiser friends kind of caution me about that. He, she's, you know, two of them have said, look, that, uh, you might want to steer away from that because, uh, that family has caused problems all up and down that road. All up and down that road, there have been lawsuits back in the past with family members over values. And so I've had two appraisers told me they've had to go to court with distant relatives of this family. So, um, I'm kind of thinking at this point, I, I mean, I can sell, in the amount of time that this is taking, I, I mean, I can sell $600,000 homes or $10,000 homes to this one deal. So what's your thoughts on that or what would you, what would you recommend? Um, I would give it one chance. I would, I would call and talk to the contrarian, the one that thinks the value is, is way mm-hmm. more than it actually is. Yeah, I would have like a, a BPO or CMA or market absorption analysis, some analysis of value that you can share with them, and say, you know, I've mm-hmm. I've, I've I've talked to appraiser friends, I've done my own research. Here's what the market says the the value is, and I understand you have a different opinion of value. Um, I, if we can't get on the same page, then then we can't work together. So I just wanted to talk and have a, a candid conversation. Are are you willing to sell for market value, or do you have to get the number that you that you have in mind, and just be willing to walk away? Um, okay. Well, we've had that conversation, and she keeps coming back and says, "Well, I'm not going to be the holdup." But at the end of the day, here's where I feel like it's going. If I sell it, put it out there for market value, and I have an investor buy it quickly, then I gave it away in her eyes. Or if I sit out there and it doesn't sell quickly, then I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I feel like I'm it's a catch twenty two for me with this lady. And what so she is just a mayor, so basically all she has to do is sign off at closing. See that she's not your client, right? That is that is uh she is she is just she has an inherited ownership interest of the property. Um in order for no, it's funny. Everybody thinks it's worth a ton of money. Nobody has any money to spend on it to clear the title up. So I need all – I was going to get all of them to sign my listing agreement acknowledging that this is what we're going to list the property for, et cetera. Then I was going to have, uh, I was going to have the title attorney do the, do the succession work, have it ready to go so when we got a buyer we could file at the courthouse, he could get paid on the deal. Uh, you know, I was going to have everything kind of in – staging or in a queue ready to roll but she's saying she'll sign it but i can tell it's hesitant and i feel like it's a i don't want to say it's a feel like it's a setup but i i do have my i, I don't well, have a great that's what i was going to so. suggest is just a listing addendum and it sounds like you, you've already gone down that path so 
I would write up a listing addendum that says, you know, all, all parties to this to this agreement have reviewed um, agent's recommended pricing uh, or agent pricing recommendation and agree that this is is a, a fair valuation for the property and that everybody doesn't does intend to sell something along those lines. You can work out the language sure. between you and your broker. But get them to sign that as kind of a commitment pledge and make it an addendum to the listing agreement. So if yeah. she does if she does try something like that mid like once you're into the transaction, then you can just simply go to the attorney and the other other family members and say, Listen, she signed her name here that giving us consent mm-hmm. to market the property at this price. So you basically destroy her credibility and you can I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't say that this should be your objective, but if she decides to get ugly, you can turn the rest of the family against her with the commitment that she made and signed her name to. And if she won't sign yeah. that addendum, then just don't do it. Sure, sure. Last, last one, and I'll be quick. So I'm making my calls, and in Louisiana, when a, when it gets filed at the courthouse, the secession is finished. It's done. That's uh, Unless the a state has... Uh, substan uh too much debt that it can't cover if there's a substantial assets to cover the debt it doesn't have to it doesn't have to open it doesn't have to be advertised you know if all parties that are uh inheritance to the property um if all parties agree on who's going to be an executor whatever and there's a enough asset to cover any debt of the estate it, it goes before the a judge in the chambers he signs off on it gets filed, secession's done. So when I'm caught making my calls, I'm sitting here telling them, hey, you know, we've got a group of people that help with the families going through secession here in Louisiana or here in southwest Louisiana. Uh, a lot of my rebuttal is, well, we've already done that. We're done. You know, so I, I'm not catching them soon enough or I'm not, I need to reword it, and I don't know quite how to reword it to let them know what I do. Yeah, so I guess my response would be, I can, I can see how you might think that. So you're done with the legal aspects, but what we find, especially here in Louisiana, in most states, the legal aspects run alongside all the social challenges. But really where we help is where the legal aspects drop off. We help with the social side of it, so getting homes empty, helping family members find suitable housing, helping family members buy the home, turning the home into a rental. You know, helping you make sure your family never has to go through this again. There's a lot of every every single family solution is different because it's all based on their needs and their unique situation. So yes, you've, our state allows a much more efficient process than, than most areas. So you've gotten the, the state involvement part of it done, but have you really dealt with everything? And is this really settled in the family? And what could you use some help with? Because even if okay. even if you have a very efficient judicial process, that doesn't change the amount of stuff a human collects in their lifetime, or the relationship dynamic among the heirs, and them not knowing what it's worth, or who to call to get it cleaned out, or who to do who to have do this or that. They have, they still have to struggle through those things just without court oversight. Correct. All right, next up is phone number ending in 1783. You're up next. Hi, gentlemen. This is Devin Doherty with EXP in Orange County, California. And I just sold my first uh, estate property since I've been with uh, uh, with you guys. And thank you so much for your coaching. Um, it is a beachfront in Playa del Rey 
we listed it for 3.75 and we had multiple offers and sold it for 4.5. Um, I want to take that message. Hey, thanks so much. Um, I want to take that message and run it up the mountaintops of what attorneys want to hear. Um, and this is a, this is, um, this is a, an attorney referral. Um, so I want to figure out how I can leverage that, that testimonial, if you will, or that strategy, uh, to, you know, people that want to hit a home run with their clients from an attorney perspective. Um, and, uh, and I'm trying to figure out what is the best strategy to, to, you know, kind of to run that up the flagpole, if you will. Sure. I'll suggest two things. One is a blog post, a video blog post. Um, I'm guessing you have a great relationship with the family that you did that for. Um, so I would, you know, yeah. go see if they're will, willing to do a video interview with you where you're both on camera and just talk about the deal. Um, talk about, you know, listen, we met through attorney John Doe and we, you know, this is how this one went. Kind of do like a brief case study of just here's, here's, here's the solution we pulled together. Here's how, how smoothly everything went. Um, and just document that. Do you have a probate website? Not yet. No, I do not. Okay. Well, you can do this. Do you have a blog component to your core website? Uh, I've mainly just been on YouTube and Facebook. Um, I don't have a, a central landing page, if you will, with all the videos. It's on my YouTube channel and on my uh, on my Facebook. Okay. Well, you can do it, and you could you could do it just on YouTube and Facebook organic video, but. The idea there is each time you connect with an attorney or even before you connect with the attorney, be able to drop a link to that so they can go see that and hear that story. The other thing would be putting together a one-sheet, like a, basically a one-sheet summary of, of the same thing. So here's a picture of the house. Here are the numbers. Here's the timeline. And, you know, here's the story. An attorney called me. We did this. We sold it for a lot more than we thought. And then have a testimonial in there from the family, like a written testimonial. So when you're meeting attorneys, just have those with you. And just say, you know, here's, this, here's one example that really inspired me to reach out to you today because look what a difference we made for this family and this attorney. And I'm happy to proof up in your office as well, just as I did in his. So you can have a physical handout that's kind of a case study with a testimonial. And then you can have a video you know, that, that captures that same thing. It's very easy to share electronically through a text message. You know, just say, you know, listen, was by your office today. I missed you. Um, here's why I dropped by. I just helped this attorney with this deal. And I think that, uh, you know, I think there's a lot more that we could do together. And just a brief text message with that video. And they're going to watch it. If it's, if it's a two- or three-minute video, they'll watch that. And that's, I mean, those numbers get attention, right? Yeah, for sure. I would yeah. while, while you've got your seller at, at an emotional high, try to get the get you know get both of those things in place. You'll have lots of uses for them. You could also use yeah. uh, you know you could use it as a second page in your letters, marketing to other personal representatives. Just say you know, P.S. Flip this page over and look at look at what we just did for this family. Um, and then that's like you can have a back page or a second page to each letter that you send to the families. And just have that, that, that summary sheet with a photo of the house, a photo of the family, a quote from them, like a testimonial quote, and then the timeline and the numbers. And, it's, I mean, it's going to show equally as well the families going through this. Fantastic. Um, speaking of handout, uh, there, was a, there was a conversation with the attorney post 
uh, acceptance about uh, A, providing me a bonus, and then him wanting to split the bonus with me. Um, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know whether he was baiting me or, or what, but, but um, I, 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 I do use something called performance compensation, which allows me to escalate my comp based on the, uh, you, you know, the success numbers that we hit for the client. Um, and um, he kind of took that as an opportunity, I think, to put his hand out into my commission because he's a licensed agent as well. Um, is that something you pre-negotiate, or I mean, how, how does that? How do you how do you gracefully handle that and still get referrals down the road? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, my my response would be, oh, "What does that look like?" And I would play dumb and yeah. see if he'll reveal reveal more about it to see what his angle is. Um, I've never heard of it, and it throws a red flag for me. Uh, I would just want to hear him explain. Like, tell me, tell me more, right? Tell me right. what you had in mind, and let make yeah. it his burden to show you how it should be structured. Because, like, bonus is a is a that was that's what threw, throws the red flag for me, right? A bonus, yeah. like we have a, the contract defines what what's you know what the payment schedule is. So, where's the bonus coming from? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, so I think it was. I, I would let, let him reveal because, and just like yeah. you said, he may be he may be fishing. He might be trying to trip you up. So make right. it make it his burden to explain himself. Roger that. All right. Really appreciate your help. And quite honestly, you, you know the uh, the there's there's a direct correlation to the time invested on these calls to the ability to have the confidence in the moment. So thanks for that. Boy, yeah, thank you, Kevin, and, and I'm sure you've done the math. It sounds like you covered your leads and marketing expenses for the next uh, 10 to 15 years. So it's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, all, this, and by the way, this was this actually stuck. was not a lead from all the leads, just so you understand. But but the fact that I've been involved with the brain trust that you guys have and the amount of depth oh, of knowledge you have has, has allowed yeah. me to exp expand my horizons. This is actually an L.A. County lead, and I am in Orange County. I think the point is is that knowledge is knowledge, and knowledge is only as good as when as it is when it's applied. So, um, yeah. I, th I think the confidence that you guys have given me over the recent months to to jump into this has just been phenomenal. Boy, well said. We really appreciate that. Thank you. Awesome. Well, that's a that's a great that's a great win. That'll be a tough one to top. Um, next one up is phone number ending in six three three eight. You're up next. Hey guys, Chad here out in California. Um, I wanted to ask a hey. I want to ask a quick question. Uh, I got two questions for you. The first one has to do with the leads that come in from you guys. Um, what I'm noticing is that the person listed as the personal representative, in some cases, has not been given that authority by the court, and um, at least that's what they're telling me. So, for the sake of me understanding how their number or their name is is coming up as the personal representative, um, wh where does that name come from? I mean, I mean, they're always involved in the process, but often is the case that they're waiting for the, the court to give them their authority. So the, when, when we push the lead to you, that means that they have petitioned the court for probate. So as soon as they petition, that gets recorded. Normally, in a normal uh, pre-COVID environment, within a matter of usually the next week or the following, they will have their confirmation hearing. 
and they'll be issued letters of testamentary. Then they have the authority and the official title of executor, administrator, fiduciary. But because of the judicial backlog created by the, the situation we're in, sometimes there, there are delays in that, and there's not much we can do about it. Um, the, the encouraging thing is courts are starting to you know, hold virtual court parallel with physical court. They're moving toward night courts. So they're, they're doing what they can to clear that backlog. But for now, we're going to talk to some folks that are highly, highly motivated to move forward and wish they could sign a contract, but they can't. So what you can do okay. is you can help them prepare for the sale, help them get the personal property staged and organized and, you know, deal with things like that. Uh, you can get a letter of intent signed, so a letter of intent mm -hmm. to, to, per, to, to sell or a letter of intent to list, just to get some sort of a, a mental commitment from them. It's not really legally binding, but it's it's a commitment. Um, and just say, you know, listen, we're, 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 you know, we'd love to start today and help you guys. We're limited in what we can do, but for you know we can we're happy to go ahead and engage and do what we can. This is just a simple letter of intent to you know to document our relationship and you know say that we intend to be in an agency relationship whenever we can, whenever you have that authority. And in their mind, they'll be okay. committing to you as their professional, so they're very unlikely to sign with somebody else because in their mind, like an LOI to business people is like yeah whatever it's an LOI. But to them, it's like, oh, my gosh, I signed that, and he left a copy with me. We have to live up to it, right? So that's about yeah. the best you can do. You know, move forward and, and document intent and, you know, protect yourself against competition. And uh, we're at the mercy of the court. We just have to wait. Got it. That's kind of how I thought it uh, it played out in the court. I just wanted to confirm that with you. Now, one, one follow-up to that. Um, I get my feet wet. I was in the mastery course last month, and, and – um, calling folks and, and learning a lot. Uh, a particular situation, I've built rapport with an individual. Um, he wants to work with me. His specific situation is that the deceased had renters in the property, and um, the renters, by all accounts, have moved out. The house looks abandoned. The house is you know, broken windows. There's trash all around. None of the neighbors have seen them. But the renters are, are kind of savvy, and, and they're saying, no, we still live there. We don't want you coming into the house. They're essentially demanding cash for keys. And this, uh, the administrator is still waiting for his, his letter of authority that his hearing date isn't until uh, mid-July. Is there anything he can do at this point? Uh, he's afraid to, to make any move because, you know, they're stating that they live there, even though they, it's pretty obvious that they don't. He didn't want to get in trouble for trying to take possession of the house because, you know, these guys are going to file a, a lawsuit against him. Um, I don't think he can file an eviction or, or do anything until he gets his his uh, authority. Um, what are your thoughts on that particular situation? Did they have, did they sign a lease or was it implied? No, they, they didn't sign a lease. It was It was friends of the deceased. And they did live there at one point. But they, uh, we think they've moved out. We know they've moved out. Was money changing hands? No. So they're not technically a tenant, right? So there's no, I mean, there, there may be an implied lease agreement, but you might not be subject to landlord-tenant law because it was a friend living with a friend. 
Yeah, we definitely, uh, especially considering the the situation and with with well, the way the courts in your state are handling this, I would certainly have an attorney. It's worth paying an attorney to navigate this because they could be trying to create liability for him if he tries to take recover the asset. Um, if the attorney can prove that you need to gain access to secure the property, the broken windows are a really good reason for that. Then that should be reason enough to. If there's no, my, I don't know your state landlord tenant law as well as an attorney will, but the what's hopefully true is that you can prove that there's safety and sanitary issues, gain access to the property, change the locks, and secure it, because there is no lease. There was no landlord tenant relationship. It was a friend living with a friend, and that and so. Uh, you certainly should have an attorney navigate this because you don't want to create liability for the family. But I, it sounds like they may be able to take action right now to protect the property. Um, and they they might be able to recover it without an eviction process because there was no actual landlord-tenant relationship or lease. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, maybe an eviction attorney. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it's Bruce here. Um, you, you should also find out what your um, personal property eviction limits are in your state. Um, if they really are not in the house, if um, you, you could access to secure the property, you have to leave them away into the house. But you can otherwise secure the property, just leave one door um, un uh, with the same key. And then you could file a personal property eviction which um, which would allow you typically 10 days, depending on state law, typically 10 days, sometimes it's a little bit longer, and evict the personal property if you know that they're not there. Okay. Now, once he is granted so, his authority, he'll be able to start an eviction process if that's necessary, right? He'll, he'll have the authority to do that. Well, it depends on what the... the, the um, uh, climate is in your you're in California yeah I'm in California and it's pretty it's pretty rough on landlords out here so aside right. so from you the have coronavirus, a more, you have a moratorium through September right right and so I'm just I understand the corona throws a curveball in the whole thing but I just want to get yeah. my head wrapped around what the personal representative can do coronavirus aside yeah, normally, yes, they would have the authority to do that um, if, it, if it weren't in, in this environment. But I think you have an eviction more, a pretty hard-line eviction moratorium through September at least. And I wouldn't be surprised if California follows some stuff like some city, some municipalities have already extended that well beyond a year. So that's why I say, especially in this environment, you guys need an attorney to help you navigate it because there's so much is upside down right now, and you don't want them, you know, you don't want to use yesterday. What what would work well three months ago could quite honestly be illegal and create a bunch of liability right now. Hey, Chad, I know you have you have mastery at 2 o'clock, correct? If you want to take a couple more, you can do at least a couple more calls, correct? I'll leave it with you guys. I'm going to go get set up. Um, and, All right, because uh, we have got time for one more. Next up is phone number ending in 6720. You got Howdy. You up? Yes, sir. Can you hear me okay, guys? Yeah, it looks like you may be the last caller of the week. Yes, sir. All righty. Well, I'm brand new. I'm Larry in California. Um, I do not have a license, a real estate license. Um, 
uh, and I don't have anybody to work with yet, but um, I see a way that I can be of service and kind of follow Chad's philosophy of offering service to people in the community, and I'd like to get started. So my question is, is it too early for me to go ahead and send out letters and kind of learn, uh, I mean, just get started, do something that makes sense and get started and see if I can't uh, just learn as I go here and that that's my question. Never too soon well, to get started. So, no, done is better than perfect. <laughs> okay. You're, you're gonna be able to go go ahead, Jim. No, no, I'm good. So, go ahead, okay. So if I send the letters, uh then and and then just basically follow the program the way that I've seen other successful or heard about other successful people doing it. I will go ahead and just begin to put that team together on a kind of an as-needed basis, I suppose. Is that kind of the way that um, uh, would be the wisest way for me to approach here? Yeah. So, so I, I would you, go you ahead. A, <laughs> I didn't know you were still on, Chad. Go ahead. No. Okay. So I would um, I would go ahead and start working on the team now. Um, you don't have to have the team completed to start sending the letters. Um, the letters in Mailbox Motivator are editable. So as you add uh, team members, you can actually add content and add different solutions into those letters. So let's say that you don't have attorneys yet or you don't have a contractor yet. You don't have to tell them in the letter that you have a contractor, but it's pretty easy to find handymen, it's easy to find house cleaners, it's easy to find clean-out crews, things like that. So anything that you know that you can find quickly, go ahead and offer those services. Otherwise, simultaneous to the letters going out, the marketing, the calls, you're also going to be actively seeking your team members. Beautiful. That's, that's All right. Perfect. I think it's great. We really appreciate it. Bruce, we got two more in the queue, and I know Chad's got to go. You, you, you got, you have time to handle them with me, correct? I'm good. Yep. All right. Yeah, I'm going to run. All right. Thanks so much, guys. All right. Everybody have a good right. Thanks, Talk Chad. Talk to you soon, Chad. Uh, next up is phone number ending in zero two two nine. You're up next. Hi, this is Graziano. My question is uh, pretty uh, simple. It's more related to the leads uh, that we are receiving. I notice that several times I have the same personal representative uh, named several times, two, three times, with the same attorney, same uh, deceased, but different case number. I would like to understand more this particular case. That's what um, I've never heard, Jim, I know. Oh, you have it? I heard it a no. couple of weeks ago. I heard it a couple of weeks ago, and um, we were trying to figure out what that was. Somehow, um, somehow, what it seems like is probate was not opened properly, and uh, and then okay. and then there were some corrections made with the courthouse. Um, that's what we thought that it was, and so it would show up twice. Um, I haven't heard of it happening three times. And Jim, uh, I know you, you you said that you haven't had that, right? No. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, because uh, just 
to talk most specific number, I'm purchasing 100 leads per month on Orange County, Florida, but in average are 200. But I have at least one, two, let's say seven, eight names with this type of situation. Uh, sometimes the multiple PR is the same of the attorney going to check, but uh, there are five examples with situation like that. Yes, yeah, same, same PR. Uh, named uh, two times, same attorney, same disease, but two different cases. And one list, uh, let's say, is named uh, just uh, one time per month. And the odds are that you're dealing with either... If a you want, I want, I want to send, I can write an email to the support and uh, give the practical cases yeah. in order that can, you can discover. Yeah, you can do that, but, but truthfully, the odds are that you're either dealing with a clerk that opened, opened probate improperly or an attorney that maybe opened probate improperly, and they're going back and doubling, doubling up their work, which, which would happen, which would be a good explanation if, the, if it's a different case number. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and like you said, sir, if, it, if, you, if you have a query or a question, if, if you see it happening multiple times, just send the Send a, a ticket to support it all leads, and we'll take a look at the data. But chances are that it's being refiled. Um, it's the same case being refiled. It's not unusual to have an attorney, obviously, do many cases. But most, most people are not an executor multiple times in the same month on different properties. So something's going on there. So, you know, if it, if it keeps happening, just send it to us, and we'll look into it. Um, looks up, looks like last up this week is phone number ending in 0727. You're up last. What's up? This is Jay Hawk in Dallas, Texas. Otherwise known as Jonathan Hawk. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, man. Uh, pretty good, energy. Jay. How's it going? Everything's going well. <laughs> hey, man, hey, my question is really harping on I heard this before. I had to jump in the queue because we were talking about social media, how to use it to, to uh, along with our list. And I was like, Oh damn, I missed that. All right, so so let me digest this a little bit, guys. So what I'm saying is, I'm great with social media. I love it. I love that whole idea, and I'm not far from uh, the probate courts here in Dallas, or even uh, the county um, the county clerks. Where I'm not far at all. I'm like from where my ass is sitting. But so what I'm saying is, click funnels. Do you recommend using click funnels as a as a way to to do that on Facebook um, with the video and then a link to another to, to your ClickFunnels page or or maybe put this on YouTube as um, you know and and not have it um, unlinked and, and and put it there and then still have a way to to get people to your I mean so I'm I'm, I'm brainstorming here I just need some direction. Mm-hmm. As you guys can tell, so I'm, I'm excited and I get to ramble and do that. If you're playing the if you're playing the short game. Or the long game. If you're playing the oh. long game, um, mm-hmm. sure, use use Click Funnels, or or if you um, don't have a Click Funnels account already, you could just use um, Facebook um, forms, so lead forms. Okay. Either one of those are fine. But if you're playing the long game, um, ideally, what I like to have people do is record a video or two that you're dropping in front of that audience that really doesn't have 
high call to action. Your goal with those um, shorter videos is just to get views. And then you okay. retarget the people that viewed you, that viewed that video, with your lead form. So you could use click funnels, lead pages, a website, or for free, just use Facebook um, lead forms. Um, but you want to you want to make a very compelling call to action. So whatever that is, maybe they've seen a video or two from you, and now you're giving them a call to action. So for your um, free home value, or for um, uh, to find out how much your home is worth. So some sort of a call to action like that driven into your mm -hmm. your click funnels or your Facebook leads form. Okay, I was wondering because I, I do have a I started a, a YouTube page with that um, the whole you know with you know, different tips get your home sold um, things like this. So I've started probably, almost got a hundred subscribers, <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. However, hey, so again, again, it really depends on whether it's the short game or the long game. You need to, yeah. you probably need to capture some leads, recapture some leads with an additional opt-in at some point. Um, but right. I would certainly start with something where you're just going for brand awareness and credibility building, mm -hmm. and you're not necessarily okay. putting it behind a gate. Got you. All right. All right. Thank you All guys right. so very much. I'm gonna hop on awesome. um, over to. Um, Mastery now? Yeah, so, you're a minute late for mastery, and we don't want to I keep know. anybody else waiting. And we made it through all the callers. This is a great timing. Bruce, Booyah. thank you, so thank you guys so valuable. very much. Thank you for your yeah, help, thank Bruce. You. I, want to thank, I want to thank all 200 of you that showed up today. I want to particularly thank those that, uh, that actively participated. And I want to end this call like I always do. I want to challenge each of you, take one idea, one thought, one thing that inspired you on this call, go out and put it into practice and come back next Thursday and share the results with the group. Make it a great week, guys. Stay productive, stay healthy, and we will talk to you same time next Thursday. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.